0: Welcome to TA1, everything you want to know about adventure racing and then some. I'm your host, legendary Randy Dixon, and our only studio guest today is the legendary chili dog, actually in her bed, Eh, sort of unusual, under my feet, but uh, she's here, the birds, they're in the other room because they've been being brats, probably because Paulette's gone. Anyway, um, welcome back. Hey, this is like three weeks in a row. We're doing good. So um, not much going on in my world, I will say. Uh, We'll have something out tomorrow when this comes out or after. But um, the yogis, yoga slackers, Ben Racing, Team Ben Racing, yoga slackers are like, uh, sure, we'd love to have you come out and help shoot the race. So, I'm kind of like, okay, let's see if we can get a plane ticket. So, um, I'm going to hit everybody up. If you're interested, want me to go out, do my thing with them. um, I don't think I'll do like a Kickstarter or anything, but we'll just put up something. And if everybody says, yeah, I'll kick in 20 bucks and I get enough, then um, do like a PayPal thing. And uh, I'll go out there and uh, have a good time on your dime. So yeah. anyway, um, so that will be out. That was kind of, I kind of actually want to go anyway. Um, shot some gravel last weekend, like 200 riders here for a gravel race between, um, like, I don't know, maybe a quarter beginners and then half and half of the, uh, 25 and 50 milers, but pretty cool. Nice day. Now we're waiting for a blizzard and then, uh, Another gravel race in the weekend, so things are kind of coming together. Oh, and my favorite thing, vague reference to something really cool that I might get to do this summer, which actually doesn't have anything to do with adventure racing, but maybe something cool. Adventure racing and things that are interested to adventure race. Anyway, um, let's get this one on. This actually isn't really an adventure race podcast. So go fast, take chances. Thanks for listening, and uh, hey, don't ever look back for your teammate. Just assume they're always there. Bye. Hey Randy, how are you? Hey Jody, I am doing good. Even though I had just like this last minute scramble right here, so I start. I dial the phone and it's ringing, and I'm like, "Oh wait, I don't have a microphone ready." Ah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Small issues, small technical yeah. issues. Yeah, you know, well, it's not like I'm a professional or anything. <laughs> so. uh, well, I'm, I'm so, a bit healthier this weekend, so I think that'll that'll work out better. I've stopped coughing and sniffling. Well, yeah, that's good. To just run down from the race and travel and all that stuff.
1: I think the the worst thing you can do is uh, is flog yourself for eight days over some big South African mountains and then jump on a small. Uh, metal tube for about 20 hours. It's not really. It's not, it's not really going to work out. No,
0: that's a yeah recipe for disaster for sure. Mm. So, um, Cape epic. What's that?
1: So it's it's not an adventure race,
0: but it's uh, <laughs> it's an adventure. It, it,
1: it is an adventure, and um, and I'm all about adventure. So it's it's probably billed as the um, the best mountain bike race in the world, or definitely the most sought after. So you you very few people can get an entry. I think after the race is finished this year, the next day entries open for the next year, and there's a hundred entries, and you just sit by your computer, madly pressing enter, hoping to get an entry. And then after that, the only way to get in is by a, um, like by a lottery. So, um, so the the way I w- ended up in it, um, friends of two friends of mine who were riding together, they've been trying to get in for five years and uh, hadn't got an entry. And then, and then all of a sudden, one last year, they they both got an entry and they only needed one. So, um, so I woke up in the morning to a message saying, "Does anyone, does anyone want this entry?" and uh, <laughs> And my friend Mark had, and he said to me the day before, oh, "I'd love to do Cape Epic, but we'll never do an, ent- we we'll could never get an entry." And um, so it was a little bit like, "Oh, is this fate?" Uh, I did briefly consider not telling him because then I knew if I did tell him, then we'd have to do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, um, it's you know, it's it's not as it's long, um, you know, it's. Um, it, Shorter stage is the prologue, so it's about an hour, hour and a half. The longest day we were out there for six and a half hours, but it depends how fast you ride it. Um, but it's just day after day for eight days, and um, you know, unlike adventure racing, you're going, you know, pretty much as fast as you can every day, which yeah. um, which does it adds up. So it 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 hurts. It's like any of these
0: things; they all hurt. They just hurt in different ways. Yeah, yeah, if you're effectively a two-person team and have to stay together right
1: yeah so um it was one of the few two-person races back in the day when i did it in 2011 um but i see a lot of so the the company that owns cape epic now also owns um the pioneer the swiss epic and then several races in australia like port to port the smaller four-day races and they're all tend to go towards these two-person formats now and um and at the time, I thought, "Well, this is stupid because um, I'd much—I I just like riding by myself. Mountain biking's something I do. It's very selfish. I just want to go as fast as I can go, and not have to worry about someone else." But, um, but when you do it, you realise that—and um, as I said in my in my blog—people who ended up riding solo because their teammate had dropped out or was injured, they said it was much harder. It was just much harder to be motivated and and to to get through and to suffer and uh and i think that reminded me a lot of adventure racing in terms of the the four person teams format and um and how much you actually need your teammate to to get you through
0: yeah i mean it can be a big thing i mean i i understand that yeah you want to be out there by yourself cuz i know Way, way, way back in the day when I raced, and so I was like, "How soon can I get away from everybody and, and be alone out here?"
1: Yeah, yep. yeah. No, it's so, um, yeah. it it is a lot of. I think a lot of endurance athletes have that um, yeah, that desire for solitude and um and things like that. And I think you need that to be an endurance athlete. You definitely need that to do the training. Um, but then when you get in this two-person format, and it depends on depends who you choose as teammate. If it's just some guy who contacted you by Facebook who got an entry and needs a partner, um, then maybe you're going to have a little bit less loyal to him than doing it with a mate and there's a lot of people who are doing it with, you know, their best friend in the world or, yeah. or, or their partner. There's a lot of husband and wife teams or, um, you know... People who are involved in, in their personal lives, rather than uh, than just writing buddies, and and I always wondered how that would work out. Like, is that <laughs> is, is that like the best relationship cementing activity ever, or is that just a recipe for divorce? Um, it could go either way, but yeah. uh, but yeah, and it's um, yeah, it was interesting. Some some people, I remember one year a guy broke his jaw. Um, now, there is a special club for people who've done every Cape Epic since Inception and he was in that club and he continued to ride the rest of the race with a broken jaw um, yeah. just so he didn't fall out of the club. Um, <laughs> and there are other um, yeah, other people who, who are just like, I don't want to let my partner down, I'm going to continue riding um, even though I'm not well or whatever. And then some people who... They just, they just didn't turn up the next day, and they, they just all this stuff. <laughs> nothing wrong with them. They just, uh, they just couldn't find a reason to keep going. That that time when you ask yourself every day, why am I doing this to myself? Um, and they just, just came up with no answer.
0: So, <laughs> that's a little strange. So, like, the, what's the average length of the of the stages?
1: Um, average length is probably up around 90k, um, okay. and it would have been over two and a half thousand metres of climbing. Now, on a road bike, that doesn't sound like much, but no. the, the, the terrain is, um, it is rocky. It's old to jeep track that is unused. It's, um, you know, when you're climbing, it's like every, um, Every piece of rock and grass is trying to prevent you from getting up the hill, because it's uh yeah it's just I think similar to adventure racing where it's like well bikes don't really go here so we're gonna we're gonna put you up here. Um, there was one section which was a mandatory uh, walking section, mandatory portage, and it was through a um, it was a heritage area, but it was more it was an old um, like a um, donkey cart route or something like that. So it was all these oddly you know, at the time the rocks were probably pretty nicely spaced, but over the years the ground has moved and, and it was just, you know, downhill carry your bike in your in your dicky bike shoes and um and for a yeah, for a K and it's just not not where bikes are meant to go. But but then um there was this year quite a lot of single track because a lot of the um a lot of the wineries and properties now in South Africa have, have sort of cottoned on to this whole um, – I'm not sure it's it's the alcohol or wine and mountain biking go together, but that a, a certain demographic um, of people are, are mountain bikers and they're more likely to be of a certain income level and drink wine and whatever. So they are designing all these um, these little mountain bike parks attached to wineries. So uh, So, yeah, there was quite a lot of good single trail as well. Which was um, which is great. You know, you didn't yeah. want it to be a grovel the entire time. Even in mount, even in adventure racing, I really appreciate it when we get a mountain bike leg and it's like,
0: oh, single track, awesome. Yeah, a little bit of fun. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know if you've seen any of the video from, but I I actually was watching the daily stuff, and is it uh, I heard it was good. They,
1: you know, I took very was... few photos because yeah. I just know they do such a great job with production, and and it was spectacular. You sort of would have seen the mountains and the valleys we rode through.
0: Yeah, um, but what I noticed, and, and I guess I know this, but it didn't look that hard. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but but I mean, you know what? You know how video does, right? Yeah. Well, it's it's like
1: when I used to watch World, World Cup. So you've got the World Cup cross-country of mountain biking and yeah. you watch it on on, on on Freecaster, it was at that point, but you watch it online and, and you, you watch it and you think, oh, well, yeah, there's some rocks there, but it doesn't look that hard. Like, I'm sure I could get down it. And then when you actually go to one, Mm-hmm. And you see, oh, that's a lot steeper and a lot bigger than it looks on t v <laughs> so, um so there is that aspect also, I think they generally cover the elite teams, which are yeah. always making it look really <laughs> look yeah. really easy um so I mean, it depends what you define as hard and and this is my question, like um people's People say, "Well, what are you going to do next? You're going to do Croc Trophy, which is a, a similar race in Australia." Um, and I said, "Well, not really, because it just it it's like saying I, I'm going to do a marathon." I said, "Well, I could do a marathon tomorrow. You know, mm-hmm. I could walk a marathon in six hours." Yeah. But what do you define as, as as doing this? And and I train people, coach people, mountain biking, and they say, I want to do a 24 hour. And I said, well, anyone can do a 24 hour. You can technically do one lap on Saturday and one lap on Sunday, and you've you know done a 24 yeah. hour. I've yeah, done that. <laughs> yeah. You could you know, you could ride for eight hours and then sleep at night and then ride for eight hours in the morning. What do you need to define what the challenge is here for you and and for the Cape Epic, um, it's you know, there is a time limit and it's not you know, it's not impossible, but you you can't just be a normal person and not prepare properly and mm-hmm. and make it in within the time limit. And um There's, yeah, the guys called hyenas who ride at the back and they essentially pick up the litter and, you know, collect the course markings, but they're, they're the time cut and you've got to stay in front of them and, and I think you get, um, you get one day's grace, so if you don't make it the first day, you can start the next day, but if you don't make it the second day, that's it, you're out. So, so you've paid, um, you know, it's four and a half thousand dollars Australian each to enter plus all your airfares and stuff and you've got to ride for two days. (laughs) <laughs> so, Essentially, so so I guess that's that's it. Um, it. It's you know, and it's the same for um, but for for me, I'm like, well, the time cut is never going to be an issue for me. I know I could get through it, and not get cut. Um, and so I, I guess yeah, what what is um, what what is a challenge? I think for the Cape Epic it'd have to be, um, how. How fast can we do it? Like, what's the, um, doing it fast is as fast as you can is probably the um, challenge. Whereas something like adventure racing, and, and this was my point to my friend, and I said, well, my my next challenge, I want it to be something where I'm not even sure I'll get to the end. And I said, a lot of the adventure races, particularly the expedition races, um, we start those thinking, I don't know, I don't know if we're going to finish this. (laughs) Like <laughs> you know, um. So so yeah, I guess if you're um, if you've done expedition racing, you might be looking at it thinking, oh, that's you know, what's so hard about that? <laughs> so, yeah. But um, yeah. but yeah, definitely if you wanna if you're pursuing your best time possible, um, and like you know, with my marathon the marathon running. I was like, well, if you said oh, I'm going to do a marathon in under three hours, well, that's going to be really hard. Um, so, so it's just the way that you frame it, I think.
0: Yeah. Well, but and you ended up from what I can tell, reading the blog and stuff, actually racing. I mean, you, you finished ninth, right? In, your, in the mix.
1: Yeah. Yeah. We finished ninth in the mixed. And, um, look, I, um, the guy I was matched with, we—he um, was one of the first people who ever supported my um, mountain bike riding back when I first started, and he didn't even mountain bike at the time, I think, and took it up later. And we ended up riding together, and I—I uh, I don't think you'll mind me saying, but he was hopeless. Just you know, comes <laughs> triathlon background, so didn't know how to corner anywhere because they don't corner. Um, and but he just. Uh, you know, did what you do and entered these crazy races and and got better and um and he's you know he's what, 15 years older than me and um but still still quite fit but I think we were closely matched but I was a bit um, I was a, the, the stronger partner and essentially 90% of the time you're going to be either the stronger or the weaker. It's very rare that you're the, exactly the same fitness as yeah. your partner. And not only that, like adventure racing, it can change. So you can have two good days, and then you can fall in a hole for two days. So, um, so yeah, I did have the um, yeah the experience of of having to um, assist a partner. So, and and unlike adventure racing, you're not allowed to have tow ropes. So you've got to try and find a way to to push or get them hang on your jersey or whatever. Um, so. And that for me was the challenge is it would – it's very easy for me to just write off. <laughs> that's not a challenge for me. The yeah. challenge is to be there and, and sort of saying, you know, like saying, well, um, knowledge is power. Okay, well, we've only got 10K to the next feed zone and you can get some more feed and, you know, like keeping them updated and trying to keep them motivated and um, helping when you can. Uh, so,
0: so yeah, it's that's part of the experience. Yeah, was that that challenge of staying together? Was that enjoyable, or did you get a little frustrated once in a while?
1: I think it is frustrating. Um, yeah. yeah, it's definitely frustrating. I think for everyone. Um, yeah. Again, if you're, it's mountain biking such a solo sport, and you, if you are used to just going as hard as you can, I think definitely doing the adventure racing over the last couple of years has been good in that regard in that um, it's often the same situation in those races where um, you know there is someone who particularly on the bike is isn't as fast. So mm-hmm. um, but again, you're also very aware that it can it can change. <laughs> so yeah. so you're you know putting in your um, supportive um, vibes today because tomorrow you might be you know in difficulty. Yeah. so um, and there are a couple of days where I did, yeah, we were we were going hard, and I was like, Jesus, if I have to go this hard every day, this is I'm going to be in trouble. <laughs> so it was definitely not all, uh, you know, not all yeah. easy. Um, but you know, it's um, and that's why I think there are quite good parallels between the the teams racing in mountain biking and adventure racing. It's just uh, it is that that teamwork, and I think it means more when you cross the line as well, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. all those frustrations and stuff kind of disappear and you're like, we did it, we did it. And so much of my mountain biking career, I've done races and crossed the line and there's been no one there. Like you've got really had no one, particularly when you're racing in Europe, um, no one knows who you are. You don't know anyone there. You cross the line, you think, oh, that was good, you know, world champs. Yeah. But um, yeah. when you when you do this race, you cross the line, you're like, you know, you've got someone who's shared it all with you. And, um, yeah, it's
0: a, it's a great feeling. Yeah. Well, like the finish of every uh, adventure race, you know, somebody, there's three people clapping, and then you go try to find a place to sleep. Yeah, <laughs> finish your pizza and your beer, and yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> yep. You. So, um, walk me through a day of of the race. You know how, how it all works out.
1: Well, I'm going to give you the. Uh, as I mentioned, we're on uh, the luxurious package, um, which, which uh, sounds it's,
0: really smart.
1: <laughs> it, it felt a bit like cheating, though. Uh, oh. So, I've, my my only defence is I've done it on the in the tents, and I've I've had that experience. So, um, look, it's it's pretty. When you look at the entry, you think, "Oh my god, what am I paying for?" Um, but it is like it's just the best organised race you could imagine. But you know. No matter if you're in the tent, so if you're in the tent at 5 a.m., a guy walks through your campsite playing bagpipes um, just <laughs> to wake you up. That's the first first thing you hear every day is some bagpipes. Um, and even if you're in the, in the hotels, you still got to be up at 5 a.m. and and you trudge down to breakfast and try and force some food in um, at, at the buffet. So and it's that, you know... Um, balance between uh, getting enough fuel and not vomiting on your bike in the first hour. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so then, yeah, you head to the start line. So start's normally about, um, they start the elites from about 6.45 and then you, you get a start box based on your um, GC time. Because there's 1,200 people, they can't let everyone go at once every day. Yeah. So you just get broken up into boxes and, and then, you know, you, you start time. Yeah, uh, you, you, your racing time gets adjusted on that. So you get to know people in your start box. Um, we're normally starting just on sunrise, which is really pretty because um, you know we're normally in a valley and there's these these mountains that just surround you and the sun's just hitting them and the helicopters are up there and um, yeah, they've got a you know like a G up song um, to to get everyone going and um, so yeah, it's just that that morning you know, between 5 and sort of 7.30 is, is incredibly busy just trying to – you try and lay everything out the night before so that you remember to put everything on because you just – by day three, you're not really thinking. You're just in in auto mode. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, sort of uh, – and then gun goes off. And, and then once you're in the race um, – you know, the first feed zones about twenty K in and then and then you're just really looked after because there's just there's gels and there's sports drink and then there's fruit cake and banana cake and lollies and, <laughs> and chips and and all sorts of stuff. Like you you think you get through that race and you'd just lose about five kilo, but I'm not sure that really happened. I think we, <laughs> I think mm-hmm. we might have put put weight on. Um yeah, so. so then yeah, just um you know, you're sort of riding with similar people every day, so you you sort of get to know. Well, you know, we're we're normally just behind those green guys, um, and just in front of the guys in the blue kit, you know, there. So that's where we are, and, and and then it becomes a race within a race. It's just like, oh, if we beat the green guys today, we've we've gone well. Or they've had a bad one, or or something like that. But um, but it was so good, just all the different languages. Um, so I think the the most popular um. Uh, the people who participate are obviously the South Africans. Uh, second most um, was Spain. So for some reason the Spaniards love love that race. Um, and then there were, you know, people from Chile and um, uh, Italy and, yeah, it just, just all, all over the world, um, guys from Iceland. Uh, we're racing and Norway and yeah, so, so it was definitely like a whole United Nations and trying to, um, pick up the lingo and <laughs> have, have conversations in between trying to breathe. Uh, yeah. and then yeah, as you, as you sort of finish, like you see that 10k to go sign and you're like, oh, just, just make it end. <laughs> just, us <laughs> finish it. Um, and then you fall across the line, and it 's uh you just enter the machine of Cape Epic, which is you know a guy. some guys take your bike away and they wash it, and then they put it back in the bike park for you so you don 't see that again tomorrow and then the, the next day you get it and it 's washed far better than you've ever washed it in your life um, so. and then uh, you go into the the the, the post race tent and and then there's people there with these cold washers and they put the cold washer on the back of your neck and give you a neck massage. And and after you've just been, you know, six hours with your neck looking up to see where you're going, it's just the most, that was my favourite part every day. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then it's just, you know, food. They give you a bag of food and uh, you just lay there in the bean bags with, with everyone else and have a chat and find the people you were riding with and, um, and then after that, you know, like by the time you you finish eating, and and then you either go back to your tent or go back to your hotel, and you've got to get your washing ready. They take your washing and um, get yourself together. You have a massage, so even if you're in the tent, you can book a massage service. So you know you have your half hour, forty five minute massage, and then you're like, God, it's time for dinner. <laughs> <laughs> so so remember the um. I actually wrote a blog on my 2011 experience. That's uh, I've been doing that blog for years, and one of the best experiences I had. I remember we finished the stage, and it was a very clear day, afternoon, sun going down, and when you're staying in the tents, you could there was a, a whole section there when Cape Town had water, um, and and it would be like the communal washing troughs and the old you know the old boards that that women used to rub the clothes on with the soap. Oh, yep. Like the old style. They had those. So you go in, you grab your board and your dirty clothes and you'd and just be a whole bunch of people just all washing their clothes, you know, like like the tribal living of the old days, you know, in this amazing environment. And I just thought, This is this is great. This is great. Like we're all just chatting and um, it was just the the, the basic functions of um, you know eating and um Getting your clothes clean and, and things like that—that that, uh, you are just all doing them together—and and you think when we're at home we just do those, you know, yeah, you, do, you so. do those solos, yeah. and it's and it's rubbish. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's nothing more depressing than washing up alone. Um, even having you know one other person there to, to dry makes it a better experience. So, so when you're there, you know, rubbing your clothes on a board with uh, thirty other people, you just think, oh, this is actually not too bad. <laughs> it's a lot to
0: be said for for tribal living. Yeah, you wouldn't want to do it all the time, but for a week, it's kind of cool.
1: No, <laughs> <laughs> you do you do tend to uh, appreciate modern technology. <laughs>
0: yeah. So. Um... Is the race like a a hub and spoke? Do you stay at the same place or do you move?
1: Um, You generally move. So the original version was very – I think you moved every day. It was very much like a point-to-point. As they have developed the race, um, I think they cut the moves down. We stayed at three different places. So you generally um, might do a point-to-point day, and then from that town you Mm -hmm. might do the next day a loop out and back and then um, you might go point to point the following day. So I think it's sort of cut down. I used to, I don't know, I'm a bit ignorant about how it all works, but um, when I stayed in the tents, I thought it was amazing. I was like, well, I get out of my tent at five in the morning, and then, you know, eight hours later when I get to the next town, it's all set up again. <laughs> Someone said to me, no, no, they've got two of everything. like That, wow. <laughs> <laughs> that town's set up 24 hours before. So, yeah. so they've got these you know twelve hundred tents, and they've got two two sets of those, and that's already set up at the next town um so that when you get there, you grab your bag and you go and claim a tent and and climb in so um so yeah it's uh it's actually pretty pretty amazing how they do it um but it sort of lets you um enjoy an area too. I think they are definitely trying to you know like where we stayed at Oak Valley that was one of the places I thought I would actually come back here for a holiday because there is enough trail here that I could actually ride for a few days, very similar to like Derby in Tasmania, which is quite famous. Um, and and considering mostly South Africans do the race, you know, that's kind of yeah. their, their target market is come and, come and ride at this place. So, um, so, yeah, I guess if you're a purist, it might take away a bit of the, the journey aspect of it. Um, you know, particularly if you're someone that's um, what's that? It's that road race. The mountain, uh, I think it's a road race that goes across America. Is oh, it the, the
0: two... race across America. Yeah. Race across America. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: So if you're th- if you're that type of purist where um, you know loops are unacceptable, then <laughs> it may yeah. it may go against the grain. But uh, but in terms of of them finding the best trail and shelving off the area, it's uh, it's actually really well put together.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, you probably better know what you're getting into before you get there. So, you better not be surprised that there's loops. Yeah, 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 exactly.
1: I mean, people people know, people yeah. know about it and yeah. um and I think, you know, the, the the typical mountain biker has changed as well. Um mm-hmm. there were quite a few road riders who just got, you know, roped into it, but um you know, when I first started mountain biking, it's like you would meet mountain bikers that never went on single track. Their mountain biking was about riding fire roads, um, yeah. and and that was it. And you sort of tolerated single track, whereas most people who mountain bike these days is it's all about single track. And um, so I think. Yeah, the, the focus has changed a little bit. Um, but that said, you know, some races are actually going back and, and everything goes, you know, every 10 years, everything goes in cycles. Um, and I noticed that uh, there was race I did in Canada called Trans Rockies and it then morphed to something called Single Track Six, which was shorter stages, a lot more single track, more loops so that you didn't have to change towns every day and things like that. And I noticed that this year they've actually gone back to the original sort of Trans Rockies journey format. Um, so yeah, so who knows? There might be a <laughs> there might might be a resurgence of that. Well,
0: yeah. Uh, <clears> the <throat> only thing that changes is the only thing that doesn't change is, is it changes. But, yeah, yeah, um.
1: exactly. <laughs> I mean, you might have noticed some. Uh, I'm not sure how much adventure racing has really changed. It just always feels like. a... <laughs> like a a grovel and and hard. But, uh, you know, there's probably trends in adventure racing that have um, come and gone as well.
0: Well, there is. um, Ropes. You know, there used to be ropes just to have ropes. You know, that that seems to have gone away. Yeah, there's
1: very few races I've actually done that have significant rope sections. Actually, I'm reading a book by Mike Stroud at the moment who did the original Eco Challenge. And he was detailing this uh, this horrific rope section they did in the U.S. Uh, I think it was in Colorado, and then yeah. they were doing Tyrolean Reverses, which sounds awful. I mean, I'm really really <laughs> scared of heights, and yeah. and and I was like, I'm so glad I never had that in my first adventure racing because for for quite a few. Um, Every time I got to the ropes, and I'd be dreading it for the whole race, mm-hmm. every time I got to the ropes, it was dark. It was 2 in the morning. So yeah. I'm like, well, I don't care. I can't see how far <laughs> it is. It's put me over the edge. It was great. And then when I did God zone, and they had the 150-meter rope uh, descent, and it was dark. And I thought, oh, this is, this is lovely. This is great. I'll do this. And then you had about 3 meters of rock, and then you just went into a free-hanging uh, descent, which they had um, they had lit up the whole the whole rock, so you can see how far away the rock was from front of you and how far it was down. And I was just, yeah, I, I was shaking. I think I nearly panicked mid rope.
0: But so I'm not really sure how to go with a Tyrolian traverse. That might not be so so cool. So it, um PQ and Badlands here. I was talking to a gal and she. At the bottom of it was like a two hundred foot rappel, and she just, she would just tell me how much she hated it. She, she just hated the ropes, <laughs> sort of like, and, and I said, "Well, just put some duct tape over your glasses before you start." <laughs> and, and she looked at me, and she's like, "I could just see her thinking, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe that might work." <laughs> but then I've also talked to people that said at night you can still feel how far it is.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the rope stuff we've done in Australia has not been that significant. I remember yeah. doing it one of those adventure races in China and we didn't all have to do it, but one guy had to go off and it was like the- Yeah the seventh highest bridge in the world or something like that. It was like 300 metres or something crazy. Um, But, you know, logically it doesn't make sense because I'm like, well, if you fall from 30 metres or 300 metres, you're still going to die. So (laughs) what's what's the difference? You know, I broke my foot rock climbing and I fell from a metre. And I'm just like, well. But the ropes, the thing about ropes and adventure racing, which annoys me, it, they never have enough. Like it always just brings the. You just end up waiting for forty five minutes to get on the yeah. ropes, and yeah. just uh, could never really work that out. But um, but yeah. So yeah. next next adventure race, I'm actually looking forward to that.
0: Will be good. It is. Um, so we'll talk a little adventure. But I'm curious. So you raced Cape Epic in 11, 2011 mm-hmm. What what's what has changed and hasn't changed since then? Um <coughs> probably the biggest, like the depth of field mm-hmm.
1: is has definitely gone up. Um so we raced as a an elite female team. So at the time, um the UCI, so the World Cycling Body, they'd only designated the men's category as as, like a World Series race and the women's category was just, just you know, whoever wanted to race, it wasn't. There was no prize money. It wasn't professional, um, and so we went in the women's category, and I think we were coming. So, an elite female team like previous world champions, they'd received an hour time penalty on the second day for taking an illegal field. So, we were in third for a lot of it until the last day when they actually made up their <laughs> made up their time penalty and passed us. So, um, so there was, you know, there were still top riders there, but there were not the depth of top riders, yeah. like the, the top 10, 15 mm. female teams. So yeah. so that's, I guess, one change that's become more equal. But, um, yeah, look, I, I think the the organisation in terms of, uh, of of them catering for the riders, like, um, you know, we were, we were an elite female team. We're the only ones staying in tents. And, and if it was a cold morning... You just have to sit there shivering because you knew you were going to heat up, so you didn't want to take a jacket. But then you didn't have a support crew, so you didn't have anyone throw your jacket to. Um, so you just had to, you just had to freeze. Whereas now, you know, they had these rider bags, so you keep your bag with you until the start line, and then you take your jacket off and throw it to someone, and they take that bag to the finish line, and then you, sit, you know, like a, it's like just more full service and more organized, and um, yeah, the. I mean the format is still fairly similar and I think it's always been I think now it's just it's so hard to get into. Um yeah. at the time we, we got a sponsored team through Adidas who were the sponsors at the time and um but but I think now it's um you know it's just so exclusive and um I think it's just much more expensive <laughs> as well. <laughs> but at, at the top end I think um definitely on the women's side it's uh the depth of the field and, and even in the you know the the, the most competitive category is probably the over forty men. So over forty, over fifty men. I think they beat the over forty men one day. Um, wow. So it's just I joked at the time. I said everyone there looks like an Olympic athlete. <laughs> it's just you know, it's just uh, it's just so surreal because because it is. You know, it's it's a serious undertaking. If you want to make if you want to make the time cut and you want the you want the medal, you've got to put the put the training in.
0: Yeah, well, and you're spending a lot of money. You should you know you you should be serious.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, um, I don't know. I think a lot of most people have got more money than I've got, but in my mind, yeah. it is. You know, it is a lot of – and it's the same with adventure racing. I mean, adventure racing is, is not a cheap sport. And yeah. and sometimes you're handing your money over and you're like, what am I actually paying for here? Like, what am I – I mean, you don't provide me food. You don't provide me accommodation. Um, I've got to sleep in the dirt. Um, yeah, I'm yep. basically just going around this convoluted course that you've designed. Um, but I think a lot of it is like you get to in the middle of it and you think, I'd love to drop out right now, but I've just paid two grand. So I'm yep. not going to.
0: <laughs> or, you know, I tell a lot of people, you know, hey, you're going to be out here for twice as long as, as the front team so you're getting your money's worth. Exactly exactly so the people
1: who just made the time cut every day at Cape Epic got far more value for money than uh, than we did so don't do it too quickly would be my tip <laughs> enjoy yeah. it savor it
0: <laughs> well yeah i mean there is that well that, that that makes it interesting did you could you enjoy just the the process and where you were and just uh, you know take in your surroundings or did you were you really really focused on going fast and keeping up with – and keeping your teammate with you? In
1: 2011, I um, I definitely didn't – I don't remember much about the race because we were just going hard every day. Mm. But, um, yeah, this time I definitely was able to uh, because I wasn't on the limit, you know, sort of sit up and look around and just really appreciate that, um, wow, this is this – is in my mind it was just – a lot of dust and flat roads, and I don't know why I had that recollection. But but when I uh, when we went out there, and I, I sort of said, "This is this is very similar to Switzerland, which I love," and just the the mountains and um, it's beautiful, beautiful countryside. Um, didn't see any animals, unfortunately, but um, but yeah, could definitely sort of take it in. And um, but yeah, at the same time, you had to. Um, I think I mentioned I tried not to keep looking back. The first day we were riding, um, there was a guy who was with us, and he his partner was behind him, and he kept looking back. And he looked back, and then he rode straight into an apple tree, and <laughs> then he hit the tree, and he was on the ground. And all the apples were like raining down on him as he was tumbling <laughs> on the ground. <laughs> and I was like, "That's it. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to keep looking back for my partner. Yeah. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just stop and pull over." And um, <laughs> so, so yeah, it's definitely this time I could really appreciate where we were, which is, um, which is, I think really important that that's why I do these races and why I probably don't probably wouldn't do something similar in Australia just because for me, it's about the travel and and seeing a place I wouldn't normally see.
0: Yeah. You've, you've spent your time staring at your front wheel and now you want to look up a little bit. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. definitely for sure. Yep. Yep. I, kind of the way I feel it's like when somebody says you want to race again and I'm like no <laughs> I've done that
1: yeah and so we my partner and I are starting to do a bit of bikepacking. packing um, so they're big adventures you know we'll probably be out for, for longer each day than than, the, than you would be at the Cape Epic but yeah. um, it is definitely about finding those uh, those places that people don't normally go and, and yeah the, having a look around and getting the head up so it's, uh, yeah, different, different challenge.
0: Yeah. So, um, and this, this probably doesn't apply as much now, um, as it did when you did it in 11, but was this the kind of a race that you go to and you come out with just another level of fitness?
1: I think I would have if I hadn't got sick straight away, yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, definitely. Well, you could go either way because if you've gone in quite fit, um, then I think you could definitely. You're going to be tired, and and I remember um, a friend of mine who dealt in sports sports science quite a lot, and he would say like literally go home, do nothing, eat for two weeks, and then find a race because you'll be you'll be flying. Yeah. Um, and actually, the world, the national mountain bike champs are this weekend. So, um, but more cross country. So I've got uh, I've got a mate who's he's doing both so we'll see how he goes today uh he doesn't he doesn't seem that he doesn't uh, think that that groveling along for six hours every day was going to translate to a lot of speed over an hour and a half but you know definitely I think um if you manage to stay well and, and you refuel every day that you can come out um, after a rest quite strong and and do quite good in a In a marathon race or something like that, like a five or six hour race. Um, but if you've gone in a little bit underdone, um, there is, I think, the, the chance that you would literally just tear your body apart and, um, and probably not, not reap the benefits of that. So, um, but yeah, you could, you could look at it as the, well, I spent, what, 35 hours on the bike in the eight Mm -hmm. days. So, um, yeah, that's, you know, almost three times what I'd normally do, so <laughs>
0: <laughs> I should be able to just have three weeks off then. Yeah, that makes, I was just going to say, you get some time off then.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, I've been riding to work, and then I actually started running to work because I want to, uh,
0: yeah, we've got um, some
1: some adventure racing and run run racing coming up. So, um, so yeah, it's been good to, to be doing something other than riding.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, we're going to change gears here. Cause I read your blog on it and something that's kind of, I've always sort of thought about too, but, and I, I don't know exactly how you brought it up, but sort of feeling guilty about how much travel you do to, to race. Is that?
2: Yeah.
0: Right. I I'm, I mean... I'm getting, getting old and ranty.
1: Um, <laughs> I mean, I've always had a concern for the environment. Uh, mm-hmm. The first uni course I started out of out of school was uh, environmental science, so you know the concern's always been there, and um, and I think you know as mountain bikers as well you sort of confine that to, well, I do care about the environment. I don't, you know, I don't drop litter on the trails and I don't ride when it's wet and I um, only ride legal trails or, you know, all those things that yeah. um they're sort of focused on the damage that mountain biking can do. And, and you think, well, I'm one of the good mountain bikers because I don't do any of those things. Um, and then also moving to Tasmania a couple of years ago... um it's there's a lot more environmental concern here because it's so you know you've got some of the I think the last wilderness left in Australia and and I think it's very um it it really brings out that concern and um and even at home you know where China you know. Reuse, reduce, and all that kind of stuff. So you have those normal uh, concerns, but then you know, as you read, you you realise, well, air travel is probably one of the worst things you can do for the environment. You know, you can ride to work every day and uh, not use the car, but if you jump on a plane every month, you're kind of probably undoing all of that. Mm -hmm. So, um, and and it's not as simple. You know, I don't really believe in the whole. Oh, I just I buy the carbon offset, and I'm like, well. It's kind of the same argument as as buying plastic and saying, "Well, I put it in the recycling bin." When all the research says, "Well, yeah. it actually doesn't. It doesn't make up for it." What you really need to do is not buy the plastic in the first place. So, yeah. so I think that's just been. Um, you know, more of a natural and, – and maybe I can take that view now because I'm not – I've had my writing career and I've flown to Europe every year or Canada or wherever um, to pursue my personal goals. And I think all that's happened now is that those personal goals have become maybe less – they've been satisfied or they've become less important than, um, you know, leaving leaving the world for for my daughter and for our kids and things like that. So, so yeah, it's just – I think not just just a bit of food for, for thought. Um, I think the real thing was, um, and as good as the event is, I just look at how much waste we got every day in our little lunch packs and race packs and things like that, and then I multiplied that by 1,200. And I just thought, this is like so unnecessary. I'm living in a city now that is banning plastic takeaway containers. There will be no single use plastics. Um, you know, you get a cheaper coffee if you bring your your, your keep cup. So so we're actually, I'm actually living in a society now that is heading towards, you know, or has zero waste as its goal. Um, and then to to go to another country, um to see that uh, this this one event, which which we idolise and patronise, is not particularly leading the way, in in that respect, was I don't know. I think I felt it was a little bit disappointing. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. just I think so, and and I felt that about adventure racing too. You know, we we go and we put all our food for stage um, four in a in a ziploc bag, and um, and then within that ziploc bag will be smaller ziploc bags for sandwiches or lollies or whatever. And and even a year ago, um, you know, I just thought that's so. We're, we're heading through some some really pristine wilderness, and we're creating all this waste. Like, what do we what do we do about that? So so yeah, we, me and my partner, we we actually keep our ziploc bags and we wash them out and reuse them. And um, haven't really found a solution. Yet for that, but um, definitely just trying to minimize the impact and, um, you know, things that are made to be disposable, finding a way to to um, get several uses out of them. And, um, yeah, I think that's just become a bit more of a priority for me.
0: Yeah. Well, trust me, I, I know all about uh, washing Ziploc bags. Yeah. <laughs> You're on the program. Doctor, yeah. And it's like... Really, and, then, and now it's just like, yeah. In fact, yeah. one year, for, one year for Christmas, I made made Paul this little drying rack for our bags. So. Yeah. Oh wow. Oh, that's next <laughs> level. That's great. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I mean, it's. I feel guilty sometimes. You know, I like I like to drive over the over the hill at home, just so I don't have to walk two miles of pavement. Yeah. On the yeah. evening hike, and it's like. <laughs> If I think about it, I feel really guilty. Fortunately, I don't think about it every day.
1: (laughs) Uh, And it's hard. Like I, um, you know, for years, so I've just recently transitioned to more of an office job and I have that, that I call it a luxury of um, being able to, to ride or run to work and I've got yeah. showers there and I can, you know, have a shower and get ready for work and and do all that and, and once you have that, you become very, uh, you know, evangelical to everyone else. Everyone should do this and and I said to my partner who's been doing it for years and, and I said, yeah, but you're not having to drop the kids off to school or daycare on the way or, you know, do these and it also means, well, you can't just, you know, Pick up a week's worth of groceries on the way home or, or whatever. So, so I understand that there are, um, you know, yeah. limitate and it's the way that you have to make, you have to plan a lot more. You have to leave earlier and stuff like that. So, and we, yeah, you know, I'm w i am am walking distance from the shops. And on the way there it's fantastic and I think, oh, why don't I do this more often? And on the way <laughs> home I have to go up a twenty three percent hill <laughs> with <We've> all <laughs> my groceries. I'm like, this is rubbish. Why am I <laughs> this has just taking me an hour to do something that I can achieve in ten minutes of the car. So Yeah. Um so yeah, that kind of change is is, is hard.
0: But. It is. I think um, you know what, you do what you do what you can do and yeah feel a little bit guilty that you're not doing more.
1: Yeah, and I I sort of, uh, yeah, without going off on too much of a tangent, I sort of, um, i put it back on, on governments. We can all make individual change, but yeah. unless there's legislative change that really enforces, that makes a, a particular behaviour more um, attractive, both, you know, um, morally and financially, then, then real change is going to be difficult. So, yeah. Um, but I think if you can assuage your own guilt for a, mm-hmm. for a bit, then you sleep a bit better at night.
0: Yeah, and let's face it, it's got to be it's going to be financial because nobody cares about morality.
1: So, exactly. Exactly, and it's so, uh, you know, I, uh, yeah. and you know the other thing is, is for me, is healthy lifestyles. And I said, well, if, we, if you ever we should be pursuing a world where it is actually cheaper to to eat healthy and exercise, and um, well, and then look yeah. and look after the environment than it is to to not do those things. So, um, yeah, show me that political party.
0: There you go. So, um All right, we'll finish up here because I know you got to go work out, but. So what do you have planned now for the rest of the year? Well, let's see, winter now, right?
1: Well, going into winter, we're still getting the last bit of autumn, so it's quite lovely yeah. here. Um, so we've got uh, an adventure race called GeoQuest coming up mm-hmm. in June. Um, so, we'll, yeah, just getting ready for that. That's, <laughs> it, it's a short one. It's only 48 hours. Um, but what uh, – so my partner's from Scotland. And we're planning to go and uh, and see Scotland in September. And um, there's some running, uh, not races, but they're challenges called the the, over the, the Munros of Scotland. Uh, so the mountains there. And um, so the challenge is that you can go and run at any time, but you've got to get through it in. Uh, I think it's almost 100k in um, in under 24 hours. So you've got to leave a certain School, I think it is, and then go and run over the peaks of the mountains and be back within 24 hours. And um, he's tried it twice and not completed it due to weather or injury. And so I said to him, oh, "Well, when we go for a holiday, uh, let's <laughs> let's do this. Let's do this run. Let's knock it off." Um, so I think for me, that'll be <clears throat> that's actually the challenge. I I can't think of anything harder than actually running for 24 hours. That's (laughs) that's probably one of the hardest things you can do, especially over mountains. Um, In Scotland. In Scotland when it's going to be cold and probably wet. Um, So, yeah, I think um, I wanted to put it on Facebook as I said, well, you've got a goal, you've got to make it public because that keeps you accountable. And and he said, well, you can't really because it may not happen. You've just got to see if the weather pans out. (laughs) Well.
0: I don't know. Sometimes that little extra inspiration of having to tell people that you didn't.
1: You know. Yeah, yeah. So I think that uh, yeah, I think a public declaration of that challenge is uh, is needed. So there's a there's a lady who's done it, Nikki Spinks, who's quite famous, and uh, actually she just she just tried to do the Barkley Marathon, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was too cold. No one finished it this year, but uh, she's done a. Um, you know, some of the the rounds, uh, double double rounds. So I was gonna message her and, and just say, What do you what do you think about this whole oh what do you do if the weather's good? Um so yeah, I I think I think that'll be the next big challenge for this year.
0: That's cool. Um what do you know anything about the Barclays? I mean what what do you think about that race?
1: I've watched them it has appeal. Uh okay. I can see myself, if I knock over one of these, yeah, these longer races or a few of those, um, I don't know. I could probably see myself giving it a crack if I got an entry during my lifetime. Yeah. Um, it does seem a lot of luck. It seems yeah. a lot of, just with the weather and um, and the navigation. So I did, uh, my partner and I did an orienteering on Wednesday night now, I, it's the first time I've actually used a compass and I tried the, the second hardest course and I walked through because I was coughing and sick. And there were several small children that beat me um, <laughs> because my, my navigation's appalling. Yeah. Um, so I definitely want to do um, a lot more navigation work before I
0: try that because that seems to be a, a huge that, part of it. I think that's all. I mean, that's... that. That is the race, as far as I can tell, because you know theoretically, yeah. yeah, it's a lot of up and down and hard mileage and crappy weather. But you know, you you hear people, well, we spent two hours looking for the book. Well, yeah, you can do that in a ten-day race. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: not in, so. not in that race. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's definitely one of those ones. Well, one again luck because you've got to get an entry, yeah. Uh, yeah. but two, I think you would definitely, and I think even Nikki said, look, it's all those races, I think you have to try it, you know, two or three times before you ever yeah. have, have a realistic chance of finishing it. Um, so, yeah, I think something, again, it fits the criteria, you know, am I actually going to finish this race? And I think having these challenges that have got a very uh, small finishes list is, is probably, um, yeah, where I'm at. It's just the challenge is to finish. It's not even about where you come. It's just yeah. getting to the end. Uh, That's
0: very true. So, um, okay, well, I'm going to let you go do your, like, hard run, and I'm going to take <laughs> the dog out for a nice, probably, it's only 3 o'clock in the afternoon here, so we can go have a nice uh, long hike in the woods.
1: Yeah, you guys, uh what hit into you're in
0: spring. Good time yep, for you. Yep. It's about awesome. sixty five, so yeah, we're finally the last few days have been the first like nice, nice days, so I'm ready. Yep. Yeah. Oh good, good. Oh well you enjoy that. And
1: uh yeah, thank thank you so much for the chat.
0: I am. I I thank you. So now I know a little bit about Cape Epic. So and I think yes. actually I'm gonna have a few more people on to talk about it. So We'll yeah, and more. I think
1: yeah, I like the crossover, and I, I'm finding yeah. there's more crossover, and I think it's nice to um, to be able to see to look at other sports and and yeah. be able to see that okay, there's a challenge there, I could do that.
0: Yeah. yeah, okay, I got one that you probably don't want to do. Some friends I'm going to be talking to that did the uh, I did a ride invitational. So oh, a thousand some, a thousand miles.
1: <laughs> are you? Is it Troy? Are you talking to Troy?
0: No, um, Peter and John, the two guys that won. But ah, oh, because Troy, um,
1: I can't pronounce his last name. I call him Troy Alphabet
0: because it's um, Troy K.
1: <laughs> Troy. <laughs> so he, um, yeah, it was the one with the fat bikes in the snow.
0: Yep, yeah, yep. So
1: yeah, that's madness. That is mad. Yeah, yeah.
0: it is so. <laughs> awesome. Um, I'll listen to that one. Thanks okay. so much. Thanks bye. for the chat. Have fun. All right. All right, bye. Bye.
2: Arlie, yeah. Yeah. This is dedicated to my teammates yeah. This is what we do When we do oh. What we do Oh yeah Feeling good starting spring like this our year. No egos, just room to grow. Learn to know your peers, training partners in the weight room. Fighting for a position to start this mission. Come on. The goal is a championship ring. Anything else is uncivilized. Let's ride to the sand dunes after practice. Like when it's hot. Perfect temp for growing cactus We gon' be the baddest, most fittest Heavy hitters getting the shit Keeping it tight-knit, accustomed to a winning percentage Locker room talk is the slang when we hang Bag on each other just for fun An all-out comedy club Nothing but laughs, nothing but love Do what you do, make your moves Understand, we a support group This is dedicated to my teammates Thanks for the great place, the good old days Just being athletes, watching my back In the Mr. Bad Confidence Bitches dedicated to is my teammates. Thanks for the great do. place. The good old days Man, Just being athletes. Watch my back and the what Mr. Back. Company sticking together, earning oh, the yeah. victory. I always keep a cool one for my shoe hogs. I mean, my grimy from the start, dogs. Never giving it up, always down the race to raise the small. Hot heat, captain sergeants on the street. Bonafide react to this and not that. Take a break from the block and watch a brother just go get a sack. All league, all hood mixed together, real good. They knowing if I make it to the league, I'ma do all good. To build on the real, like Hamburger Hill. I made it up, my homies just kept it real. Legends in the area, and kids still know. Now how could that be when we didn't go pro? Check like God, I go to work, and we still get together to barbecue and watch the game on some real shit. Pop a bottle since we ball and make it ice cold for sure, You know, big girl keeps something to the roll. Yeah, this is dedicated to my teammates. Thanks for the great plays, the good old days. Just being athletes, watching my back, and the Mr. Bad Company. This is dedicated this to is my teammates, thanks for the do. great place, the good old days, of being an athlete, watching my back in the back, watching me, sticking do. together, earning oh, the yeah. victory. This is what we do, when we do, what we do, oh yeah, this is what we do. You pickin' on me, you pickin' on the whole team Same breed family fightin' for the same dream A championship ring Need a little bit of luck, a couple of breaks No mistakes, discipline Always poundin' to my cerebellum Here to do my part, ain't no felon To my teammates, the ones that jump on your case, You ain't supposed to be the right place at the right time Cause we can spot them like 101 Dalmatians The better be the same but a slight alteration Detect like fallin' I don't think through Never really fall to our expectation Like my big cousin Spectator watching the game, church boy still doin' the thing same thing, beat change, ain't nothing change Let brothers' freedom reign Big ups to your homies, you know you know These cowards can't show me nothing yeah, This is dedicated to my teammates Thanks for the great place, the good old days Just being athletes, watching my back In the Mr. Back oh Conference yeah. This is dedicated to it's my teammates Thanks for the we great we place, the good old days Just being athletes, watching my back In the Mr. Back company sticking together, earning oh the yeah. victory this is dedicated to it's my teammates, thanks for the great place, the good old days, just being an watching my back in the what Mr. Bad Company, sticking together, earning oh, the 50s. Yeah. This, yeah. this is dedicated to my teammates, thanks for the great place, the good old days, just being an watching my back in the what Mr. Bad we Company,
0: sticking
2: together, earning oh, yeah. the 50s. Ooh, yeah. This is how we do it. Girl, I thought you knew it. This is how we roll. Won't you take us out? What is it's all about-